Welcome, Bears fans, once again to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we're here to make sure that you don't try and do anything crazy in the draft. <laughs> uh, yeah, first of all, thanks everyone for listening. I know it has been a long season. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore Scat and not going to spend very much time talking about the game from Sunday because there's not really much to talk about. Not much. From an experience standpoint, that was kind of just an all-time Bears day. <laughs> I, I, I've never really experienced anything quite like it. I, I got to the, the bar, Allery's, like right when they opened, and I kind of pulled the bartender aside, and I was like, hey, man, like any chance in the corner TV we can get the Colts and Texans game on? And he kind of looked at me like, Dude, what are you talking about? Like, why, why do you want to watch the Colts in Texas? I was like, I don't have time to explain this, but it it, it, it matters for the Bears. So, can we get it on? And, and sure enough, they did. And uh, At times, that was more watched than the Bears game. Well, that was the thing. It's like the Bears went out there and just lost like champions. I mean, if, if, you, want, if, <laughs> if, if, if you want a textbook definition for how to lose a football game on purpose, like... I can't remember who, I don't even know who the players were, but going into halftime, it just showed like this three Bears defensive linemen walking into the locker room, and I'd never heard of any of them. <laughs> it was like, they were just like randos playing in the game, but anyway, like the Bears game was never really in doubt. They never had a chance, and then we're all just sitting there watching this Colts and Texans game, and the Texans get out to the big lead, and we're feeling Love good, me. and the, then the Colts come back, and then we're... Kind of just like, all right, whatever. The number two overall pick's not that bad. And then Davis Mills leads that heroic last drive. Oh, man. And when they when they score that touchdown, and then Lovey Smith, the coach that never goes for two, goes for two, and they, they get it. And we're jumping around like the Bears just won the NFC championship game. Oh, man. Just a, a really weird experience. And I'm not sure we'll ever get one like that again, but... I guess, like you said, thank you, Lovey Smith, for for bringing that home. Because now, I mean, the Bears are the Bears control the off season at, at this point. I mean, That's right. the Bears have the most money to spend in free agency. They have the first overall pick in the draft, and the possibilities are pretty much endless. It's it's like if you think about who your favorite player is that you could acquire via free agency or trade, like. It's Devontae Adams, it's T. Higgins, it could be Shaq Leonard, it could be literally anybody you want that's available. The Bears have the resources to acquire them. And it's the same thing with the draft. If you love Will Anderson or Peter Skaronsky or uh, Jonathan Smith and Jigba, whoever your favorite player is in the draft, the Bears have the resources to get them too. So for the time being, it, it's pretty much just there, there's no bad ideas here. Well, there are some bad ideas, but for, uh, as long as it ends in the Bears getting good players, I mean, pretty much anything's possible right now. Right. It's, it's not like anything we've really ever seen before as, as Bears fans. So as, as bad as this season was, we all kind of understood the assignment and first overall pick in the draft and most money to spend in the offseason is a pretty good position to be in. Agreed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I gotta say, um, all of those, all of those points all kind of culminated with that, with that game. Mm-hmm. Um, for one thing, a uh, big shout out, bear shout out to Lovey looking like uh, Santa on, <laughs> on Sunday. Um, it was, it's, it's funny because Jim, uh, called it last week. He said, you know, uh, we could see. A fired up Lovey, uh, you know, get get the Texans playing, uh, you know, hoorah, one last game, one last win for Lovey. He knew he was lame duck going into the game. Yeah. And he, he for one thing, he did have his defense pretty fired up for that game. Uh, playing against, a, as you put it last week, an atrocious Colts team. Yeah, that's right. And you know uh, they they went in there and they smacked them on the lips pretty good. Uh, watching that last drive was a lot of fun. Um, as somebody that has been going to uh, the bar for a very long time, I've seen a lot of things happen there. That was, as Jim <laughs> said, totally new experience. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, there's very very few times I've ever cheered for another team at the bar. 
Except and, for uh, the team that's playing the Packers, right? Like that's, yeah. That's the only time it happens is when the Packers lose and, and the bar gets kind of fired up. But right. for just a random AFC game, yeah, it, it was a new one. That was. That was a new one. Um, uh, you know, I, the the Vikings game, I got to say, I actually thought that that game would be much more of a blowout than it actually was. Um, Chicago kind of hung around a bit in the first half. And I mean, it, it, the only reason I, I mention it is just because I just, I thought it would have been, you know, 38 to zero. Right. Uh, but it certainly wasn't. And, um, you know, Justin Jefferson didn't really look like Justin Jefferson in that game. I kind of thought they were going to go all out to get him that record. Yeah. And they really didn't. I, I, he had a pretty pedestrian game. I think it was like four catches for like 30-some yards. Yeah. And, yeah, it wasn't like the Vikings were particularly impressive. I, I am with you. I was like, when I when I saw that the Bears were resting pretty much everybody that mattered... I was like, this is going to be 35-zip at halftime, and the Vikings are going to rest their starters. And for a while there, even like well into the second quarter, I kind of thought, man, if Peterman, or who's the other guy? Boyle? Yeah. I'm like, if, if one of those, Boyle. I'm like, if, if one of those two guys... <laughs> I still don't know who that is. Do, do you want to? No. Yeah, so it's like if one of those guys leads a drive miraculously, like the Bears are going to be in this game, and luckily that never happened. But, um, yeah, the Vikings certainly didn't distinguish themselves and they didn't really seem to build a lot of momentum heading into the playoffs either and you know know, to comment on them like really if you look at about say their last five or six games they have not had that same kind of clutch phenomenon and momentum on the offense that they had earlier in the season yeah um i mean they they suffered uh you know the absolute debacle against the not playoff bound Packers. <laughs> uh, you know, they, um, like, you know, we were talking about the lackadaisical kind of win against the bears. Um, the, uh, the loss to the, uh, giants. No, not they beat the giants. They beat the giants at the last the, minute. They lost to the lions. Lost to the, they lost to the lions. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not to me the kind of energy what you want to see going into the playoffs, at least. Yeah, no, and all year, no one's really thought the Vikings were very good, and we're going to see what happens with them on Sunday, because the Giants are coming back here again, and the Giants almost beat them here a couple of weeks ago, and the Giants are a really well-coached team that seems fired up to have an opportunity, and the Vikings, they have kind of been sleepwalking here a little bit, I mean... They got a couple wins. Obviously, they had that big comeback against the Colts, which how you were ever down 33 points. Uh, <laughs> I'm not giving them squat of credit for that. For a team that just, yeah, it's insane. And then, yeah, I mean, they barely beat the Giants. <laughs> I mean, look too. at that. The Colts just lost to the Texans at home. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll, we'll have our time to, to dunk on the Vikings. I have a feeling their playoff run is going to be pretty short. And yeah. if, if they win this week, they're not going to San Francisco and winning. I mean, that that's no. just not going to happen. Unless Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, and Debo all get hurt. Then, yeah. then maybe they can beat whoever their like eighth-string quarterback is out there. But <laughs> as long as San Fran's healthy, they're, they're beating the Vikings in, in at home. Um, yeah, I mean, just going back to the Texans, I mean, just it's kind of a hilarious story because it sounds like to me Lovey was – essentially told by management that he was going to be let go after the game. Right. And at that point, like, why would you lose in order to get the team that's about to fire you a better draft pick? And, <laughs> right. and, and that, that's what happened. Like, I've been trying to figure this out because if you're the Texans and you know you're going to fire him and you know it's a possibility that he's going to go into the game and try to win – why wouldn't you just fire him before the game? Exactly. And let just let let whoever let, let, be the coach. Yeah, exactly. And the only answer I've been able to find on that is that you know the Texans are dumb, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they are dumb. They are dumb. And you know what? Honestly, the Texans—that's not an organization that anybody should feel bad for. Oh, not at all. It's. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but just the Texans deserve a lot of bad things to happen to them, and winning that game is a bad thing. And you know, if the Bears are the recipient of, of that good fortune, then certainly nothing to complain about. So, 
jumping to what you were saying about flexibility. Mm-hmm. That's the word, I guess, that is like buzzing out of uh, Hallis Hall. Uh, Poles was, you know, using that term frequently. That's really what I am also focusing on. Flexibility. Yes, they have tons of money. Do they want to go and be frivolous with it? Of course not. They need that money not just for this year, but for next year. Because next year, 2024, hopefully we'll be re-signing our starting quarterback for the next five years, right? Yep. And, um, you know, the, the other thing is, is, yeah, having the number one pick, it's not, to me, about how many picks they can turn that into. It's about being judicious with making the selections that they do. I am a big fan of Paul's first draft with the Bears. I thought, considering he had really a low-grade amount of, uh, not just an amount of picks, but where they were placed, I thought he overall did pretty well. And, uh, you know, Jim and I have talked about that before. We both are pretty much on that same page. I just want to see more of that this year. I want to see him, uh, you know, look at these different places uh, that are, are places of need, but at the same time, best player available. Yeah, and I think Paul's alluded to that a little bit in his end-of-year press conference when... Somebody asked him, well, what are your priorities? And obviously the true answer to that is literally everything. Have you looked at the roster? <laughs> but he, he said you, you target skill position. Or, sorry, you target premium positions. So that's quarterback, which hopefully the Bears have, you know, not they don't have a need there anymore. And then there's wide receiver, tackle, and pass rusher and, yep. and corner. So I, I think that informs... And D-tackle. Yeah, I think, I think that <laughs> I, I think that informs his strategy, right? And that he's going to try to upgrade the bears at the most important positions. And I, I really liked hearing that from him because I feel like if you had asked his predecessor, that same question, you probably would have gotten an answer that didn't really have any substance to it. Yeah, like, you would have absolutely yeah. got that answer. Well, we look at everything and yeah, we're going to just make that decision when it comes time. But obviously in the NFL, everybody would agree. Like, the important positions are the important positions, and I think that's what they're going to target. I, I really can't wait to see what they decide to do. I, I don't think that they're actually going to use the number one pick. I think they're going to trade it. I think most people think that, but yeah, it's not out of the question. If they're absolutely in love with Will Anderson and they think he's Lawrence Taylor, they could maybe just take him at number one. I don't think most people are expecting that. I think that because of how much the Bears need, it probably makes a lot more sense to trade that pick, maybe even more than once, and just accumulate late first round slash second round picks. But they could really—that's that's what I'm—that's what I'm saying at the beginning of this podcast, right? There, there's no bad ideas here. Right. They, they could go so many different routes, and it's it's going to be fun to watch in the draft and in free agency and in and in trades. So one of the things that uh, I did want to address, and uh, since we're talking about the first pick, we'll we'll go ahead and tackle it. Is uh, you know this uh, mass amount of buzz that I've seen about the Bears. Uh, trading Justin Fields uh, for, uh, you know, a a bunch of picks and um, then using the number one overall pick on Bryce Young uh, or, you know, one of the others. Uh, It looks like pretty much Bryce Young is the the culminate, the accumulated number one uh, as far as as far as quarterback goes. I mean, right now, but, like, there's still time for quarterbacks to fly up the draft board. Right. Absolutely. Two years ago, everyone thought it was going to be Lawrence and Fields, and then all of a sudden, here's Zach Wilson. So, there's time for general managers to get stupid, but... Yeah, now, in my my experience, the the bird in hand is, is what we're looking at. We know what we get with Justin Fields. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though there is still questions about his passing ability, I don't think any Bears fan out there would say that the, well, I'm 
I'm exaggerating, I guess, a little bit there. There's from some sure Bears fans out there that don't think he's a very good passer. I believe that the majority of Bears fans, though, do think that he is a good passer. And I think that the majority of critics, uh, you know, in the media or other coaches or uh, any of the rest of the talking heads all feel that he's a good passer, too. We can't make a true determination on it until he has the right pieces around him. Yeah, and I think with the speculation that maybe the Bears could take a quarterback and and move on from Justin Fields, I think it's, I mean, there's really two things that you have to understand here. I mean, number one, they're going to evaluate every player in the draft. Every player. Including the quarterbacks. If, If they didn't do that, they're not doing their job. They have to do their diligence, and if they think that, Bryce Young is some combination of Pat Mahomes and Peyton Manning or you know or CJ Stroud or Will Le- like if they think any of those quarterbacks are like can't miss Hall of Famer going to the Pro Bowl every year then they would owe it to the organization to take that player because you have to do what's best for the organization if right. if they think one of those guys is far and away ahead of Justin Fields then even if it would be unpopular, they owe it to themselves to take that quarterback with that number one overall pick. Now, And I love that Poles was up front about that. Yeah, exactly. He said, if someone absolutely blows me away, then sure, of course. It, it goes without saying. But I haven't seen anything that anybody has uh, scouted or evaluated to say that any of these quarterbacks are a better prospect than Fields was. Yeah, the, the, nobody's coming in like Peyton Manning, yeah. you know, you pointed out, or Andrew Luck. Or even, or even um, uh, Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, nobody is even Joe no, Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Right. I mean, nobody's coming in this that way this year. Like, I think if you dropped Fields into this draft class, I think Fields would be the number one overall pick. I I could easily see that. But uh, that you know this and that's that's one thing, right? Like, of course they're going to evaluate everybody because they have to do their due diligence. That's their job. But the second part of this is, too, like, the Bears want people to think that they might draft a quarterback. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that, that, that's a big part of the strategy is that in the offseason, whenever you hear anything from an NFL executive, like, 99% of it is just complete BS. Right. Because if people think that the Bears might take Bryce Young, then you know what teams are going to want to do? They're going to want to trade the Bears more for that pick. Right. So if Ryan Poles came out and said, absolutely not, 0% chance we're going to take a quarterback at one, that would devalue their asset. And that would make that would make absolutely no sense yeah, for him to do that. Exactly. Like They, they want to be able to trade that pick for as much as they can. And in order to do that, teams have to think that there's a reasonable chance that you're going to draft a quarterback and, and trade field. So I don't think they're going to end up taking a quarterback. I think Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback on day one of the 2023 season. But obviously the Bears have to consider all options and they want people to think that, hey, maybe there's a chance that they do like Bryce Young or Stroud or Levis or whoever else. So, And we can thank Lovey for um, some more power because – Putting us in that first pick uh, gives us that opportunity not only to generate that kind of buzz, but also to have more people maybe focused on it. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Pohl should be sitting back on his couch and (laughs) saying, hey, I'm I'm not taking any phone calls for six weeks. Think (laughs) think about what you want to trade me. I'm going to sit here drinking my bottle of champagne, and in six weeks, you all can start calling and we'll discuss. I mean, it's his job to drive up the value of that pick as much as he can. And I, everything that I, I have been able to ascertain from listening to Ryan Poles makes me think he's a really smart guy. He seems to really understand how the NFL works and how markets work. And I think that he's going to maximize the trade value of that pick. And I think Bears fans should be really excited about that because I I think that means that they're probably going to end up with a lot of first and second round talents that, hopefully turn into good players that's what this team needs because right now they have like four good players yeah they uh it's all about um using that that flexibility to turn it into talent uh turn it into high character guys turn it into guys that do have a lot of talent but have work ethic to match Mm -hmm. uh turn it into guys that do fit those 
the multitude of holes. Now, why we do, while the team does have several spots, uh, at the same time, you, they, you know, he's already shown his ability to look at the draft ahead of time and say, I think this guy is going to be available there and he fits a need. Kyler Gordon is a perfect example of that. They, he was point blank about it after last year's draft. I don't think Kyler Gordon is going to be there. They, they ran some simulations without him even on the board. So, you know, um, the fact that he was there was a, a perfect fit for him because he saw, you know what, not only is this a young dynamic player, uh, but he also fits a big need on the team. Yeah, and the Bears have needs everywhere. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm really curious to see, I guess, what's kind of your gut take on where that draft pick is going to go. Or I guess maybe what their strategy is going to be heading into this draft is probably well, a way to ask it. Yeah, you know, I, 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 of course, agree with you. I have no idea why they would trade Justin Fields. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I think it is all a ruse, and I, what's not a ruse is all just babble uh, out there in the Twitter sphere. But the um, what I see realistically happening is they do trade down. Um, as the weeks pass and we get closer to the end of April, every single year, and this one is not going to be an exception quarterbacks rush up the board it's always happened in the last 20 years and it's it from now on as long as it's a passing league it's always going to happen there's a lot of teams in that top 10 that need a quarterback yeah and that's the thing is that you look at the uh you look at the teams uh the texans colts seahawks lions raiders falcons panthers those are all in the top 10 you know Uh, all of those could be looking at uh, a quarterback you don't know which one of those teams is in love with them. Uh, I do know that the buzz recently has been a lot about the Colts uh, because the Colts, uh, some people are looking at it as like the Texans, um, you know, could end up with whoever's left, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they have, uh, you know, close grades on, say, Stroud and Young, and, well, they just take whichever one is left. Right. Um, to me... I don't think it's nearly that, uh, you know, that that random. I, I think the right. teams are always pretty focused, and you know, one of those guys is going to have a higher grade than the other. But the Colts is a good example because they're they're at four, right? Um, they jump up so that they can get to one, and that they then they get their choice. Yeah. And you know, they have had monumental struggles since Andrew Luck left. Uh, you know, they they have tried the retread uh, twice in a row with absolutely miserable results. Three times in a row. Yeah, three times. Three times. And so, you know, that's a, that's a good one. And at the same time, for the Bears, obviously, it's a good spot, too, because you drop down and you still have the creme de la creme right there. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned Will Anderson as a possible... Um, Jalen Carter is also a possible because they Jalen Carter is a great fit because he he uh, he fills a need a big need in Eberflus's defense and uh, you know uh, you and I have talked about the fact that you, those are the kind of players that you you don't get in free agency the only way you get your hands on top flight defensive players like that is you draft them exactly and I think the best part about this particular draft is that. There's a lot of really dumb organizations that are picking in the top 10, which you think goes hand in hand. But like, first, I mean, first of all, you got the Texans, just like completely dysfunctional, completely, complete dumpster fire. You got the Colts who I don't think Chris Ballard's dumb, but I think Jim Ursay is just like completely deranged. (laughs) And and Jim Ursay is clearly calling the shots down there. He's the one that wanted to hire Jeff Saturday. And then uh, if you go back a few picks, you got the Raiders who have successively sold their organization to John Gruden and Josh McDaniels. Wow. And they're they're moving on from their quarterback. So The money that was paid between those two guys. Yeah, money well spent there. But anyway, <laughs> the, I mean, these this is who you're... I mean, you're trying to find the sucker at the poker table, right? Between these 
teams that all need a quarterback and that are going to be looking to trade up to number one. And you can use them against each other. I mean, the Colts and the Texans are in the same division. Yeah. And chances are they're going to have both want the same quarterback unless they reach a difference of opinion. But I think that's pretty unlikely. I think it's likely going to be that teams think Bryce Young is the best prospect. So you just kind of say, hey, which one of you wants your division rival to have the quarterback that you're in love with for the next 10 years? Right. And you got to play him twice a year. And hey, if you don't want it to be the other team, toss in another second round pick. That's toss right. Toss in another third round pick. And that's how you drive these negotiations by pitting these dumb, desperate teams against against each other. And I don't know. I, I just have a sense that we just got done with a general manager that loved to give away draft picks. <laughs> I, I I just feel like he was exceptional at it. I think it's going to be the opposite with polls. We kind of saw that last year with just how much he was willing to trade down. I mean. I think the Bears went into the last draft with, what, six picks? Mm-hmm. And they ended up taking, like, 13 players because he just kept trading down. Now, I know a lot of that happened in the sixth and seventh round. And right. at, at that part of the draft, you're just trying to throw darts at the board. But And he just purely needed guys. Yeah, exactly. And uh, not, it's not like any of them even really ended up mattering that much other than the punter. But I think that's going to be the strategy. It's just that you're going to trade down from that first pick at least once. I think in an ideal world, you get a King's Ransom from the Texans, you fall back to two, and then you trade back to like five. Yeah. And get a bunch more draft picks. And, and then all of a sudden, you're coming into training camp with five, six new players that you picked in the first and second round, plus whatever you acquire in free agency or, or trades. I, I think that's the strategy that they're going to take. And I think we're going to have a lot of new players next year that we're going to be excited about. Now, at the same time, he also showed, though, that he's willing to stick where he thinks there's value, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's exactly what he did with uh, both Kyler Gordon and Brisker, is that those were the picks that he had available to him. Those were ones that he targeted guys, and he stuck there. I Now... I actually, right now, my vision does not have him trading down multiple times in the first round. That that particular scenario is really popular right now, and it could happen. Who knows, right? But I do think that he, with that previous history, he has shown that, you know, at the same time, while I do want to make more picks, I want to get quality players too. And there are guys that are going to be available in that top ten that you just can't sub, right? You, you know, uh, we talked about Carter at, at defensive tackle. We talked about um, Will Anderson at defensive end. Uh, you know, there's a couple of uh, offensive tackles in there that are looking uh, uh, pretty high on the list, a right? Receivers, uh, receivers, right? Yeah, we we definitely do want one of the the prime receivers too. So. Um, you know, it, it does come back again to what you were saying, right? The, the Bears are in the driver's seat like they haven't been before as an organization. And I am super excited for this particular individual to be in charge of it. Yeah, I mean, they can pretty much do anything that they want. Uh, it's funny, this is a joke, but someone called into the score and they said, hey, is there any chance we could trade for Aaron Rodgers and just make him inactive every game? <laughs> saw that. <laughs> like, and obviously that's a joke, but like, do they have the resources to do that? <laughs> yeah, they could, theoretically. My first thought when I saw that was, we needed to do that about five years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that might have been the best uh, way to beat Aaron Rodgers is by having him on your team and not playing him. But <laughs> right. Anyway, I mean, like, you, you could spend all day thinking of the players that the Bears could acquire and... I think there were some th- there's some things that I would like more than others. Like obviously, I'd love for them to get T. Higgins because he's like 24. Right. But if he's not available, there's 10 other really capable wide receivers that the Bears could trade for, and the Bears would and Bears fans would be really excited about because there's just a lot of players that are going to move this off season, and the Bears control that market because they have the most salary cap and they have a lot of draft picks and they've got a lot of openings on their roster. So I don't know. It's just going to be a really fun off season. I think it's going to be a lot more fun than the season was, even though in my <laughs> opinion, the season wasn't even really that bad. It sucked that the bears lost. There was some really good stuff this season. I mean, I re- until like the last like three games, or I guess maybe four going into the bye, 
all, almost all the games were competitive, yep. apart from a couple. Fields was really exciting. He was kind of keeping the team afloat by himself. It was a way more entertaining season than you could say about 2021 or 2020 or 2019 even. Actually, even in comparison to other teams in the NFL right now. And one thing that I'm really excited about is the. I guess it's going to be the shift in media coverage too. There's been so much just dumb coverage about this oh, team. Oh, man. And I shouldn't even really paint with It's like four or five guys that just like decided that they didn't want to understand what the Bears were doing. Like I, I turned into I, I turned on the score today and I was listening to Haw talk about how you shouldn't celebrate the fact that the Bears lost the most games in franchise history and it's just like it, what what did you expect and and it's it's it, it's is anybody happy that the Bears are where they are of course not most people obviously most people would say. Yeah, we'd much rather have the Bears be going into a first-round bye in the playoffs and be favorites for the Super Bowl. Right. Like, of course we'd prefer that. But when you look at the situation that Ryan Poles took over, Pace left this team in such a bad spot that, relative to expectations, the fact that they got through this year and cleaned up their salary cap and also have a quarterback that everybody's really excited about and happened to end up with the first overall pick in the draft, why aren't you celebrating that? Exactly. Exactly. I, I was thinking about this earlier. If you go back to the first year of John Fox, like yeah. the roster was in comparable shape to what the roster was going into this year. The Bears were horrible, and they had no answers, and they had a ton of players that were old or bad or that they needed to move on from. And I think Fox at one point was five and six or six and six. And everyone was like, all right, this is kind of trending in the right direction. This looks pretty good. And then they lost their last six games, and they ended up like 5-11, and 11, I think. And they got like the 10th overall pick, and I think they took Leonard Floyd. Yeah. But does anybody go back and think like, yeah, that 5-11 and 11 season, that was the start of something. <laughs> like, that was building a culture. No, it was just a terrible year. And, it was just a terrible year. And nothing came and not, of it. And not even a really great draft pick either. And, and nothing came of it. I don't think any of the players that were on that team are still here. Yeah. So... If the alternative was that, which was the Bears going six and eleven this year versus going three and fourteen and getting the first overall pick and having a bunch of money to spend, why wouldn't you pick option B there? It just makes Absolutely. Sense. And there were other guys too all year, it's just like Biggs or Weederer that were constantly just well, you know, having a top five pick is no guarantee that you're gonna get a great player or you're building a losing culture. It's like, right. of course. Like, <laughs> of course it's not guaranteed that this is going to work. Ryan Poles could give a bunch of money to players that suck. Yeah. And he could draft a bunch of guys that suck. Yeah. But the hope is that that doesn't happen. And all you can ask for is an opportunity. And I think the Bears have a great opportunity here to just really turn this thing around and kind of start building up from here. So I'm excited to turn from that type of negative coverage to just... Here, here's what the options are going forward, and I think that's going to be the focus of this offseason, and I'm, I'm excited about that as a fan. Well, I, I will say this. Um, Jim and I uh, watched you know, most of the games together this year, and um, not once did we, and when we were at the bar, uh, not be cheering our guts out. For the, for the team, yeah. the only the only game this year that I didn't give a squat about losing was the last one, and and that was the thing. The thing was is it was it was a double thing. Not only were we going to put ourselves in position to draft higher than the team has since the forties, uh, you know, it it was we had a year where the team was competitive in several games. We did get to watch our quarterback develop. He did address the serious salary cap and uh, implications that we had developed by the previous regime. We did get to see development of young talent, which, by the way, has been a problem through the last coaching staff all the way up until last year. Uh, it's already been pointed out by several of the guys in the media about how much young players did get to participate this year, which I think was a good thing. So there is a 
not to, and you know, this is all uh, underneath the umbrella of we get to go into this draft without drafting quarterback as the most crucial need. Maybe Justin Fields isn't going to turn out to be a great passer. Maybe we will end up in 2024 having to draft another quarterback. But we at least get to enjoy one year where we're going into it and saying, you know what, I feel pretty good about the quarterback position. Yeah, I think that's right. I think in general the organization is is trending upward and – yeah, the Bears have the first overall pick. They finished with the worst record in the league. I get all that, but there's 10 teams that you could point to probably that have a less optimistic future than the Bears. And maybe yeah. 10 is conservative because the Bears have their quarterback. They have all the resources available. I mean, you think that the Colts would trade place with the Bears? Absolutely. Or the Texans? Or even teams that had decent years, like the Titans. Would you rather be the Titans with Ryan Tannehill owed $100 million and an aging running back, or the Bears? Like, obviously the Bears. How about the Falcons? Yeah, the Falcons. How about the Packers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they owe their quarterback next year $60 million. Have fun with that. You know what? You know, we're not going to go into it right now, but... They probably have one of the biggest, maybe the biggest question mark in the entire NFL is, what do you do with that guy? And I know a lot of Packers fans that are just kind of ready to be done with that whole thing. I mean, can you, Aaron Rod? I mean, he had a great career, obviously. First ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks ever. But just over the last three years, I feel like there's been so much just extra stuff. And Disgruntled you, is the word that always comes into my head. And, and you've got nothing for it. For the last, what, at least two years, and I can't remember what happened. I think three years ago he had a good year and they ended up going to the NFC Championship. But then just with all the offseason drama and just all the other nonsense, and then for that you got just uh, complete just no-show in the playoffs where you lost at Lambeau to the 49ers. And then this year they don't even make the playoffs and – End up you losing. lose to the Lions oh, at home. A win-or-go-home game. I mean, just you're not getting any sort of payoff for having to deal with just the week-to-week nonsense that is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and and, and now, now you owe him $60 million bucks, And we'll see what happens. There's been a lot of noise that he might retire. And obviously we saw what happened with him walking off the field with Cobb, which, I mean, just who, yeah, big who cares on any, any of that. Like, I don't know anybody outside of Green Bay that – cared at all about Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb walking off Lambeau. Yeah, I but don't care. anyway, I mean, he's got a lot of money. Uh, I think next year he's owed sixty million bucks. No matter how much money you have, that's a lot of money to walk away from voluntarily. But at no point this year did I really get the sense that he really wanted to be out there. So we're gonna see what happens with him. In the meantime, I think we can all just collectively laugh at the Packers uh, <laughs> and. Anyway. Shout out to uh, Melissa. Melissa <laughs> was like, yes, we can all collectively laugh at the Packers. <laughs> everybody. Everybody in America. Does yeah. anybody want them to do yeah. well? But, um, yeah, it's just, you think that they would trade places with the Bears? I think they might, actually, because they disappointed in pretty much every aspect this year. And now they owe a quarterback $60 million that nobody knows if he even wants to come back. So. And- do Packer fans even want him to come back? You know, I mean, no. that that legion of undying love uh, has seriously diminished. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, that will be an interesting story for the offseason. I've, I've said this before. Like, in order for a fan base to hate a quarterback that gave them that much joy... You have to be a real jackass. <laughs> so, <laughs> congratulations to Aaron Rodgers on that. For, and he is. For being that big of a jerk. So um, um, one of the things uh, that I wanted to touch back on, I, I was reading this this week, and I, I thought this was uh, a couple of points that were interesting. One, uh, they were talking about Bryce Young. Bryce Young, uh, per Todd McShay, draft guru, one of the guys that I love to follow uh, McShay and Kuyper in the offseason. They are my two guys that I like to read the most. Um, he has anointed Bryce Young as the number 
one overall prospect. Not the number, not necessarily the number one pick. The number one overall prospect on his big board. It, it just and this just came out uh, yesterday uh, that uh, Bryce Young is his number one guy. But uh, the thing about Young, everybody says he has all the stuff, but his size six foot one ninety four is his listed and. There's quite a few scouts that are saying that really they're picking him more around 185. And his build is pretty slight. So there's not a, there's not this buzz about, well, you know what, he can get bigger and stronger. There's some out there that are saying, you know what, you can get him maybe a little bit bigger, but not hugely so. And on this same vein... Uh, they had posted that there's only been three quarterbacks since 2000 under 210 pounds. That's Kyler Murray, Johnny Manziel, and Michael Vick. Yeah, uh, and I think with Bryce Young, it's probably going to be even more of a focus because of what's gone on with Tua this year. Yes. And, I mean, Tua is obviously another Alabama quarterback, and it's not fun to talk about, but he's just gotten absolutely thrown around out there on the field this year, and he's gotten concussed three times. And his size was something that was talked about when and he came in. And he's bigger than Bryce Young, I'm And he's sure. bigger. So that's going to be a concern. I mean, Bryce Young, anybody that's watched him knows how talented he is. I mean, I, I go back to a couple weeks ago when we were recording during the, the Sugar Bowl where he absolutely just carved up. Uh, Kansas, Kansas State, State yep. as one of the best bowl performances I've ever seen. So the kid's got talent. He's got an amazing arm. He's incredibly accurate. Size is going to be a concern because he's not super fast. He he is mobile. He's, he does have a mobility, but he is more of a pocket passer. Yeah, he's, he's elusive, but he's not like Fields or Josh Allen or one of those guys that's just got kind of blow-you-away speed. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that gets graded out. I think that if you take size out of it, he's, he's got all of the skills to succeed in the NFL as a passer. But, I mean, when you're talking about a guy that is smaller and that defensive lineman can kind of just take him and fire him into the turf, that's going to be a concern, especially with what we're seeing with Tua, which is that, I mean, he's, he's not even going to be able to play in their playoff game now. Yeah, and you know, the, the thing is, is that this buzz, uh, you know, from uh, out of Chicago, and, and not just out of Chicago, but in the sports world in general about Fields running, right? Oh, Fields is going to get hurt. If you keep letting him run like that, he's he's going to get hurt. That's going to be a big problem. I don't agree with that, but Field, even Fields if you're just huge. looking at it, he's big, He's six foot three. He he's two hundred and twenty five pounds. I mean, that's a lot bigger than what we're talking about. When you're talking about professional athletes. Thirty pounds is massive. Massive, yeah. And you know, uh, while uh, we all want to see Fields pass the ball more, the fact that he has that ability is pretty amazing at his size. Yeah, like did you see him get ragdolled at any point this year? Like, no, like you saw Tua. No, like. Obviously, nobody likes to see their quarterback get hit, and Fields took a lot of hits this year, but I don't really recall him taking the massive, just, uh, kill shots that some of these defensive linemen can deliver, and I think that's just because he is a huge guy, and he's an amazing athlete, and when you're talking about someone that has 30, 35 pounds less on him, it's a concern. Actually, one of the worst shots that I saw him take this year was that Lions game where he took the helmet-to-helmet shot when he was already on the ground, and they didn't call it. Right. You know, um, just simply because it was it was, it was was a hard helmet-to-helmet hit. You don't want to see your quarterback get hit in the head by another guy's head at any point, no matter how big he is or small he is. But, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the big thing that I'm just I'm looking at there is that's how much athletic talent is built into number one is that his size and speed are freakish yeah i i agree and that's why i i don't think that the bears are going to be drafting a quarterback because (laughs) i think that the only prospect that could probably compete with fields is young and i just think that justin fields i think grades out better just in terms of physical attributes and also he's got two years of experience um 
I, I, I did want to call out. We do have some more breaking news that I think is positive, and that's the Bears did officially hire Kevin Warren. Oh, right. And that's that's a big deal. I'm not going to claim to know all of his background. I know he did really well with the Vikings. I, I know that he did well as Big Ten commissioner. Obviously did a huge expansion for that conference and also, I think, negotiated a huge new TV deal. And he's replacing Ted Phillips. So. Yep. I mean, if, if you're talking, I mean, I know the McCaskies love Ted Phillips, but going from Ted Phillips to Kevin Warren, I mean, he might as well be going from like George Costanza to Bill Gates. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a massive upgrade uh, in terms of who's in charge of your organization. And think about just how poorly. Well, he did the Vikings stadium, I guess. He did, yeah. I know he was in charge of U.S. Bank, which I think everybody agrees turned out really well. Yeah. Obviously, the Bears have their sights on Arlington Heights and. I don't know how much it's going to matter to the actual product on the field, but I, I just tend to think this is going to make the Bears a, a better organization in terms of how well they run and how they go about their business. So I think it's just another uh, good piece of news heading into this offseason that Ted Phillips is officially gone, and I think they've hired a really qualified replacement. Fun factoid I read today. Uh, both... Uh, Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles were born in Bears championship years. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, uh, Poles in 1985 and uh, Kevin Warren in 1963. All right. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it looks like from everything I've read, it's going to be a great transition. The guy is highly, highly respected in, in several organizations. Um, all the talking heads that I've listened to all said that this is a great hire. Uh, it it is part of the new uh, Bears, right? It, it, that's what it, when I think of our team, that's what I think of quite a bit is new, right? We have a new GM who's exciting. We have a new quarterback who's exciting. Now we have this new piece of upper management, right? And I I, I feel like all of these things are all going to coalesce uh and we're going to have an organization that is not going to be good for one year we're going to be competitive for many years and that's what polls has been preaching that's the idea and i I think that just getting smarter people into the bears organization is there's no downside to it like kevin warren's not gonna be a bad president for the bears no matter (laughs) how no matter how they do on the field I, I guarantee you that just in terms of the public-facing organization, he's going to do a better job than Ted Phillips. Yeah. And Ted Phillips made the McCaskies a lot of money, which, what's your thought on that? Well, I mean, he, you know, that's, <laughs> that, well, there's not really, I mean, that's it. I he made, don't <laughs> I don't care. care. <laughs> right. So, um, I, I think Kevin Warren's a great hire. I'm, I'm excited to see how the organization changes. I think that. We're just going to be amazed at how much more likable the Bears are going to be as an organization right. compared to when they were run by uh, Sweaty Teddy over there. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, so um, now uh, one of the things that I also wanted to talk about is um, going forward, I liked very much in this, this press conference that happened this week. Uh, where polls came out, Jim and I both have, uh, you know, tooted the horn for for polls being as open as he is. I do feel like this guy is as transparent as you're really going to get out of a out of a football executive. I mean, they're always going to be somewhat coy just because that's the way it is. But yeah. I feel like it's night and day difference between the, him and the previous guy, and. Uh, I felt like this this uh, this news conference was actually it wasn't one of those that was like oh my god he's just saying the same old crap over and over and over again. I felt like there was real substance to it. It was just a well run press conference, and I, who knows how much he said was true and what was not. But at no point did I sit there doing that. And I'm like this guy sounds like an idiot, <laughs> right? Like and and that I mean after years I mean. Really, my whole Bears fan life has been Ryan Pace, Phil Emery, Jerry Angelo. Like, <laughs> I feel for you. <laughs> I mean, S- S- Angelo at least had a few good years there, but he never really sounded very smart. No. And Emery and Pace, we know how that ended. And 
just listening to all three of those guys sometimes just sounded like someone scratching their nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Uh, polls, it just sounded like somebody that, like you said, they're not going to give away any state secrets. They right. don't have to say anything, but it just sounded like somebody that was confident, knew what he was doing, uh, had some expectation about what questions were going to be asked. Yeah. And I think did give some answers. We talked about the one earlier where he ranked off the premier positions that he's going to be looking at. We saw, we heard what he said about having to be blown away by uh, a quarterback in order to move on from Justin Fields. I think that when you listen to him talk, he, sound, he sounds like somebody that genuinely does care about the players in the locker room. Yeah. And that's what he was talking about. He's like, hey, the first thing I did once that game ended on Sunday was I didn't sit there and watch the Colts-Texans. I went downstairs to just thank all of our players for the efforts they put in. And that's something that as fans you don't really think about, but those players, they pour their heart and soul into this. And even though they're they're bad, they're, they're not bad because they're not trying. Right. They're, they're just bad. And, yeah. And, um, uh, and he also, I felt like, came out point blank and just said, Poles uh, came out point blank and said, Fields is my guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, at least that's the way I interpreted it. I, I feel like he wanted to settle... Uh, any of this buzz that's been out there um, and you know Fields is my guide this is what we're going to do going forwards you know you were talking about well of course he has to play the the game when it comes to the draft and that will be what it'll be but as a fan that's the way I interpreted it and I was just happy to hear it because that's the way I look at it Fields is my guy and I'm so anxious to see what can happen for that young man when you have pieces around him? And the other thing that I think that Poles just probably does a good job at, and we have no way of knowing this, but when he sits down and tells these players what he expects from them in the offseason, I have no doubt he's giving the players good feedback. Yeah. He's saying, hey, you got to get stronger, or you got to get bigger, or you got to learn the playbook better. You got to do He has this, a positive this. attitude. Well, and a, a direct attitude. And he was a player. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling that he gives them very candid, very straightforward feedback. Can you imagine what it must have been like for like a defensive tackle to sit down and talk to Ryan Pace? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I just get the sense. Do they just stare at each other? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't even know if Ryan Pace conducted exit interviews. I, I get the sense that Poles, because he was a player, because he seems like a very good communicator, and because he seems to know a lot about football, just is going to do a really, really good job of explaining to these guys what they need to do to get better. And there's not a ton of guys on this roster that I think are part of the long-term plan, but there are some, and I think there are some that we maybe view as kind of fringe players that could get better. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've talked a lot this year about Braxton Jones, for example, and who knows if he'll end up being a long-term, uh, play, a long-term fixture at left tackle, but I guarantee you, as part of that exit interview, they sat him down and said, man, you got to put on 30 pounds of muscle. Yeah. And the, like, you got to be in the weight room on day one trying to get stronger because... That was his big weakness, Is was that at times this year he just got overpowered. Yep. And I'm sure that feedback is getting communicated to him in a very clear manner, and I'm sure they're saying to many players, hey, this is what you have to do to be a part of this thing going forward. Actually, uh, I saw some comments from Braxton Jones himself, and he actually called himself out on that. Yeah. He said, um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think the year was, was pretty was you know pretty decent uh obviously i got some things that i need to work on and uh i plan on going to off season and you know attacking these kind of things of course i'm paraphrasing but um i read i think he had allowed seven sacks and like 20 pressures which sounds like a lot but when you consider how much the line changed throughout the entire year mm-hmm. uh, there was no uh, cohesiveness to the line at all, right? And the fact that he played something like 540 snaps, yeah. that's really pretty decent for a guy that came out of Southern Utah that, you know, was picked in the fifth round. I, I just, I cannot help but look at that kid as a success. I just, I don't care how anybody else slices it. 
I don't think that you come into this league and do something like he did and not have some real genuine drive and talent. Yeah, I, I think that he's probably got all the intangibles you want. I, I think that it goes this whole year. It was Braxton Jones did really well for being a fifth round pick out of right. Next year, it's got to be he's got to he's got to be a above average to good left tackle. Right? Can he make that jump? We'll we'll see. And I'm sure that if he gets stronger, that's a big part of it. Because like I said, at times this year he just got run over. But uh, it, it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch because as we've said many times if they found a long-term left tackle in the fifth round then that's great scouting yeah um but there's a reason he was picked in the fifth round too so i'm sure he's been given clear things that he has to do to get ready for 2023 and we're gonna monitor that going all throughout the offseason we're gonna see what they do at tackle and actually that was one of the knocks on him was that uh scouts felt that he needed to be stronger uh that he didn't get down in that that because he was playing at southern utah yeah he was playing exactly. against a, a lower level of competition exactly he didn't have to be stronger to do so um how about we finish it up with uh quickly looking at the games uh sure okay what do you want to start with? um so i got seattle seahawks and san francisco 49ers pulled up here uh the matchup predictor has san francisco 73 seattle 22 uh what do you think Sounds right. Uh, I, I'm a little bummed. I, I kind of wish the Lions had gotten in. Yeah. I, I think the Lions had more of an opportunity to make noise uh, compared to the Seahawks. But, I mean, divisional game, I'm pretty sure the Niners beat the Seahawks twice this year. Uh, it's tough to beat a team three times, but I think that the Niners are just overall better. Yeah, spread is nine and a half Niners. Um, I don't think that uh, Seattle has what it uh all the weapons that that San Francisco does, um, and I, I think that San Francisco, uh, you know, playing at home, they're going to have enough to to power through this. However, uh, I I will say that I think Seattle had a pretty darn good year, and it'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback because yeah. you know they they really out of the top ten. They really scored because of that deal that they did on Russell Wilson. You know, here they are. They're they're in the playoffs, and they've got a top five pick. Yeah. So that that's not too shabby. Uh, you know, and uh, and you know they um you know it'll you know if they keep Geno Smith, I would definitely see Pete Carroll still taking a quarterback at some point. It's kind of just been an amazing story. I mean, the Seahawks were kind of the laughing stock of the league going into the year. Everyone was. Like, you're going to go with Geno Smith <laughs> and, and Drew Locke over Russell Wilson? Like, what are you thinking? And, yeah. I mean, how did that turn out? Man. So, yeah, I mean, good for Geno Smith. He's he just kind of a guy that's been in the league forever that it, it really feels like got drafted by a terrible organization, the Jets, and then I think played a couple more years for the Giants, who are also a terrible organization, and then was, was Russell Wilson's backup for, like, five years, I think, and... He got his opportunity, and he made the most of it, and he made himself a ton of money this year. Yeah, he did. I, I don't know how old he is, but he's going to be in the league for a long time after this. I think he's 30 or 31. Yeah, so he's got... I mean, he could hang around for another decade, probably. I think. Um, okay, so on to the next. It's uh, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers uh, playing against the at-home Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars have an at-home game for the playoffs? What? And, and the fact that the AFC South game isn't the 2.30 game on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, I feel like for for a decade it's been like the Texans. Always. Or the Colts playing in that time slot, that yeah. like first game of wildcard weekend that nobody wants to Titans. watch. Yeah, all of them. Uh, so it's got uh, Matcher Predictor has uh, Jacksonville 60, uh, Chargers 39, uh, the spread is Chargers by two and a half. Yeah, um, it's going to be fun. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has really played well. Uh, I don't have like a super strong thought on the game. I think that Doug Peterson is uh, far and away better coach than Brandon Staley. Yeah, I think the Chargers are more talented. Uh, I mean, obviously Justin Herbert's awesome. They had a big injury at receiver. Mike Williams went down, but they've still got a lot of talent on offense. They've obviously got Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, yep. Derwin James. They've got talent. I mean, 
they're, they're one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. It's just I think their coach is, is terrible, and I don't know if they're going to be able to go on the road and win in what you know is going to be a fired-up uh, stadium down in Jacksonville, as weird as that is to say. So <laughs> I, I don't know if I have a feel for this one, but I, I'm really excited for the game, honestly. I think it's going to be fun. I, I, think, uh, I, I think I go Los Angeles here just to squeak one out. Um, like you said, overall they have more talent, but this, this Jaguars team has certainly been feisty this year. And they've won. Uh, they've uh, certainly taken it, you know, played at a high level pretty much the whole year. So, um, I, you know, it, it could go either way. And the Chargers are just one of those teams that just never seems to rise, Man, to, the, rise yeah. to the occasion. If you're looking at, uh, you know, we were talking about team culture. I got to say, uh, Jacksonville, in my opinion, has the better team culture. They seem more cohesive as a, as a team. They seem more positive and upbeat. Versus the Chargers seem to always step on their own foot. Yeah, Jacksonville is just one of those teams that if you're looking for a sneaky team that can go on a run, just because of how explosive that offense is, they could they could make some noise in the playoffs. I think. So um, the uh, the other games here, um, well, of course we got to talk about the G Men versus the Mighty Purple. <laughs> Kind of already touched on this one. I think this is going to be a close game, and it's going to come down to... I, I, I think it's going to come down to whether or not the Vikings... This, this this just feels like a game where like the Vikings miss like two field goals and lose by like two. Uh, like, <laughs> or doesn't, doesn't it just kind of have that vibe to it where... I think, I think they actually... In my opinion, I think uh, Minnesota is is golden in this one yeah i don't know man yeah. like i think the vikings just kind of suck I, I no i do I, I agree with you there and you know we were we were talking about the fact that i don't feel like their last few games have been very good but i, I don't know why i just I, I get the feeling that you know this one they come out they kind of they, they they play as well as the vikings can play and and they beat new york um i still think it's going to be a somewhat close game though just because uh, Dayball has the Giants playing pretty darn well. Yeah, and they're just really well coached. Like the Giants are not going to beat themselves, and the Vikings, I think, could beat could themselves. beat themselves. Like, I'll definitely agree with that. Like, I mean, I think the Vikings are better, and obviously they have the best player on the field, yeah. Jefferson. But I don't know. Uh, the Vikings, they're just not impressive, and it, it's definitely a team that you could just see coughing up a game like this. So. I think it's probably a one-possession game, and like I said, it, it feels like a game where the Vikings do something stupid or miss a couple kicks or give up a special teams touchdown, and that's what costs them. Now, I will go with you there as well. I do think it is um, that one uh, score kind of ending again. Now, the interesting part is, at some point, that bubble must burst. Yeah. <laughs> is it this week? This kind of feels like the the Vikings Cody Parkey game. Almost. Oh, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy. Man, you just put the hex down. Okay, so uh, Dolphins at Bills. Yeah, I mean the Dolphins are like fourteen point underdogs. They're down to their third string quarterback. The Bills are going to win. I don't have much on this one. Yeah, it's it's not even. <laughs> and then, um, and then our last ones are oh well, we got two more. We got the Ravens and Bengals, and uh, the matchup predictor says eighty three percent Bengals. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Lamar Lamar is going to play. So no. you know, um, you can't do it unless you got your 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 prime guy in there. It's very it's very rare that you're going to win, uh, let alone a regular season game. A playoff game. And I think a lot of people forget about the Bengals. I think everyone thinks it's going to be the Bills and Chiefs, but man, you can't count out Joe Burrow and that that offense. Yeah, I mean the the Bengals quietly put together a twelve and four season. So mm -hmm. you know, I mean at the at the beginning of the season they were looking a little rough, and people were like, "Well, maybe they were a one hit wonder." I don't think so. Nope. How about Cowboys and Buccaneers? <laughs> maybe that might be the game of the week. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, Boy, uh, the Bucks have been terrible, but man, Tom Brady versus Mike McCarthy, yeah, and, and the Cowboys, like the Cowboys, man. If 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 we talk about the Chargers not rising to the occasion, you can put the Cowboys right in that bucket, and just like 
Tom Brady, the guy that just always can find a way to pull it out of his hat versus the team that always finds a way to lose big games that they should win. I don't know how you go with the Cowboys in this one. Yeah, so Matchup Predictor has uh, ha- actually has Cowboys 69.7 versus Tampa 30%. I would have I, I would have flipped the script on that too. I can just see the, the Jerry Jones press conference on like Tuesday when he's got like smoke coming out of his ears, <laughs> and he's, he's he's so mad that Mike McCarthy found a way to lose. His eyes are bugging. Yeah, like it's just poetic. It's chef's kiss. It's just like I don't know. I, I as bad as the Bucks have been, and I don't think they're going to go on a run. I mean, the Tom Brady thing just has not worked this year, but. I think he's kind of got one more in him and just a, just the perfect opponent, just a team that just loves to lose games. They should win in this kind of spot. So uh, uh, the, the spread is Dallas by two and a half. Um, and I think the X factor here is there's two that, I, I, uh, that I'm really looking at. One, um, you know, quarterback versus quarterback. Uh, you got to look at Dak has not played well. Uh, I work with a big Cowboys fan, and he's the first to admit it that uh, he has not played well. As you said, Tom Brady, he's deadly when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, the guy just keeps winning. Um, you know, uh, even though his team, uh, you know, didn't even finish 500 this year, um, they were in it. They were in it right to the end, and, and they were in it in most of the games. And they were in such a bad division, too. Yeah. Like, they, they controlled their own destiny pretty much the entire time, so. So I saw a meme today that says, after the game, Dak threw his helmet in disgust, and it was intercepted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just it's just, the Cowboys, you just, you can't count on them in this spot, I mean, Every year they have one of the most talented rosters, and when was the last time they even got to the NFC Championship no, game? No, it's been a long time. I, I don't think it's happened. Maybe in, since the 80s? Yeah. No, it, it happened maybe in the 2000s. Maybe? I don't think so. I don't know. I, maybe it is since the 80s or since the night. Did, um, I don't remember whether, uh, you know, it happened. Um, I think it happened in the 2000s. No, the 90s. It must have been the 90s, It was yeah. the 90s. I don't think it happened with Romo, and I don't think it's happened with, with Dak. So. Yeah, I think it was in the 90s. Um, interesting trivia question. Uh, so, um, I, I think uh, the other uh, factor in that Dallas game is um, Micah Parsons. I think he is a huge X factor, just like uh, Justin Jefferson is for the Vikings. Uh, that guy can completely change your whole point of view. Yeah. And uh, if he becomes, if he comes out there as one man wrecking machine, uh, then I could see Dallas uh, squeeze. And, and Tampa can't block. It, it might be kind of an ugly game. It looks great on paper. It might be a a game where both defenses kind of control it, and you know, it's just going to be, do you want Brady or or Dak and, and clutch time? And I, I know where I'm going with that one. Yeah. So um, yeah, you 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 can't. Uh, the guy has the the best playoff record. In the history of the NFL. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's that's pretty clear cut. Well, uh, thanks again, fans, uh, for this week. And uh, we'll uh, catch, you, catch you guys next week. Yeah, and thanks for listening all season. It's been another rough one. But I think I ended this last year with something to the effect of we've got good days ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I still feel that way. So, uh, it's going to be a fun off season, And, um... It's just endless possibilities, so bear down. Bear down.